Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 85 of the Between You and Me podcast, the place where we talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in evangelical culture. And isn't there a whole lot of hurting, hopefully healing, and changing in evangelical culture right now? Dear God, please let there be. My name is Jess Morris. I am a music journalist. I'm based in Australia. And this episode is brought to you by our friends at JesusWide.com, your number one website source for music reviews, interviews, and news. And in a great leeway, my reviewing for Jesus Wired back in the day was actually how I first really heard about today's guest. David Zuck of Remedy Drive is with us today. He is a family favorite, if you would call it that, a returning guest. We only have had a handful so far, and I am so excited that he's here to talk about Remedy Drive's new album. I'm going to try and say this right. Forgive me, David, if I say it wrong. Imago Amor. The spelling is in the show notes. I apologize for the fact that I I butchered that. That was not intentional. Uh, I really am not good with enunciations, which is ironic considering I'm a journalist, but there you go. In any case, the album, as we shall call it from now on, is actually their third in a series of counter-trafficking, counter-human trafficking albums. And I first really heard about Remedy Drive and got their hearts for shining a light on human trafficking through Jesus Wired. Their album, Commodity, was the first, one of the very first albums that I was sent to review. I remember listening to it and nearly beginning to review it, being like, this is cool, and then reading about it, that it was about human trafficking. And I was so taken with the fact that it was actually so focused on a social issue, but on the humans in that. It really brought home the humanity of and the faces um, of, I guess, an, an issue and of people who often feel so far removed from us when in reality these things are happening in our own neighborhoods, in our own lives. Um, and it was really powerful. Now, I was asked to have David back to talk about the new album, and it was the best. As you can tell from this interview, it just felt like we were catching up over coffee in a sense, because I had a whole bunch of questions written down to ask him, and I barely used any of them. We just sort of jumped around, and for the first start of it, you'll hear my reflections on the album. Now, Remedy Drive did actually crowdfund the album. I was one of the people who helped them crowdfund it. So, you know, I do have bias. I am actually invested in this album and it was worth it. And then we go into some really fun, really deep, gritty topics like what it means to have a messiah complex as a human uh, and to have like a a colonizer mindset, which uh, as a white Australian, I completely get. Uh, We talked about religious nationalism, which might be an uncomfortable conversation uh, for some of us, but I feel like it's a really important one. And we actually look at how his language and his words and maybe even how he perceives and communicates the stories that he tells has changed over the years. Something that I have learned, which is less about nearly minimizing people by pitying them to actually empowering and empowering a story so you see their strength and their dignity. That's a huge learning curve that I am still on and we chat a little bit about that both as creatives and artists. Now this is another episode in our Better Together series and this is a deep one but a fun one because this looks at how we are better together when we actually look beyond ourselves, when we push against the uncomfortable 
like the privilege of our hearts or constructs or even in our learning to become better. Now, normally in an episode, we will have a short bio and you will hear all about their success and what they've achieved and where they grew up and all that fun stuff. We have done that with David before. If you would like to hear that and you would like to hear David's quote unquote origin story, it's one of my favorite episodes. Go back to episode 18 of Between You and Me. Way back then, go and listen to it. We have tracks from their earlier albums. We talk about the early days of Remedy Drive in CCM and why they went independent. This episode is going to be solely focused on the new album and what's currently happening for Remedy Drive. So our short bio is going to tell you a little bit about that and then we're going to get straight into it. My friends, get comfortable. Here is a new episode with our friend David Zuck. When we spoke to David Zuck of Remedy Drive in 2019, we dug deep into the success of his critically acclaimed rock bands and looked at the art that compelled him to become an abolitionist. Essentially, David Zuck is an abolitionist and a rock star. His whole mission is to shine a light on human trafficking and his story remains one of the most compelling that we've shared to date. Now, on a wider scale, in the time since, we have seen the evangelical church further implode, magnifying the stories and struggles that David actually shared with us about the commercialization of Christian music, his struggle when he was signed to a label, and what it truly means to lay down your life for Christ. That brings us to 2021. Remedy Drive's latest album, Imago Amor, is their third in a series of counter-trafficking albums. It follows 2018's North Star and 2014's Commodity. And honestly, this album couldn't have been released at a more suitable time in history. While recounting David's experiences undercover with anti-trafficking organisation The Exodus Road, the album actually celebrates the strength and tenacity of the people he has met through his work. All the while, it pushes against the religious nationalism and hypocritical display of evangelicalism that grates against the hearts of many Christ followers daily now as we grapple what it means to truly follow Christ in 2021. The first single from Romy Drive's latest album is called Dragons, and it uses the imagery from the worlds of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, some of my favourites, to display the battle against the evils of this world. The song reminds us that while we can't defeat the dragons, we can play our part in choosing to confront them every day. Other tracks, like self-titled Imago Amor, are a courageous prayer, urging us to see the image of God in the hearts of everyone we meet, whether they are survivors of human trafficking, the trafficker, the nationalist, the democrat, a friend, or the person on the podium at church. I spoke to David about the new album and how he's changed his language and perspective to further empower others when telling their stories. We get real about the evil of religious nationalism and the cost of speaking out against it. Plus, we also discuss what it means to overcome the wide evangelical messiah complex that so many of us grapple with. This is a great conversation. Come and join us. This is David Zuck of Remedy Drive. Ask for starters, how do you actually say the name of your album? Because even with or without an Australian accent, I just cannot say it correctly. I'm so sorry. I don't know, are you familiar with Magadegi, the term Magadegi? Yes. So okay. it's, it's that, but Amor. Amor in Spanish means love, so it's Amago Amor. Okay, nice. Thank you for saying it so much better than I ever could. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, and this album came out, it was like, what, two weeks ago now? Well, yeah, we can have. I know, I've been streaming it and loving it. 
It's really, really great. I loved how you managed to um, you tell the stories of the people that you encounter, but you do it in a really empowering way. Um, so it's it's like because because there's a sense of like, as especially as white evangelicals, it's very easy to pity and be like, I'm just going to put my money somewhere. But you have a real sense of being able to actually lift their story and be like, no, this is the same. Like this person is just the same as you just living somewhere else. And I love that. You managed to do that with a melody, which is really cool and really unusual. Um, and what we desperately need in Christian music, let's be honest. So I appreciated that. Uh, thank you for noticing that. It was, it was, a, it was, a, yeah, I was very conscious of it. Because um, even going back seven years, I'm a different person than I, than I was seven years ago. Yeah. And I've learned so much. Seven years ago, I would have used the term victim to describe someone that was has escaped slavery. I'm even I'm even struggling with the term someone's been rescued. I'd rather just say someone's escaped slavery. It's subtle, but it's so much it is it's subtle but it's it's almost a sacramental way for me um to to uh empower is the right word, so I love it that you use that word to describe it. Yeah. No that's I I pick that and I heard it. Um and I maybe it's because my sister is a social worker so because she talks she's actually trained my thoughts as well it's helped me to shape it um but I really loved it and I love how I want to dive more into your your specific work and talk about the Exodus Road but I love how in the scheme of things at the moment where in the evangelical church doing social justice things has nearly become cool, which is strange. Like, certain ones, not other ones, but certain streams of social justice have become cool. Um, And you've managed to create a piece of art that steers completely clear of that and just sees people as people and actually uh, calls out truth. And I love how um, you're using my, my name in vain. I love how you've taken lyrics and words from all sorts of other places to create that that was i think probably my favorite song on there because it's just like a take that <laughs> i just loved it it was just so good um so that was that. Really good. <laughs> yeah um yeah so i think sorry i'm just i just clearly love the album but i'm just really grateful um that at a point where the evangelical church especially in america is such a even from two years ago when we talked it's in such a bizarre definitive place right now and it's like all the brokenness has come to the surface um i think the art that you guys have made has given a voice so that people can actually choose whether or not they want to transcend that and actually enact the love of christ um which leads me to talking and actually asking you questions instead of telling you how much i love your album um (laughs) but can you tell me um like what was the mission with this album Compared to like the first two, like how is this one difference in the trilogy? I think the biggest difference is from from what I learned in in eight years of doing this work and fourteen years of, of researching this work and this work being fighting against slavery and injustice and trying to shine a light with melodies on injustice on slavery, but also to lift up and celebrate, which is what I really wanted to do is celebrate the work of people whose faces that we'll never be able to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, from, from the previous album, I, I, I still hold on to the lyric from rather than that, you know, ages to come, the sages will write, so rage, 
friendships with people that I have nothing in common with other than the love of freedom. And I wanted their story to make it in, even if it's between the lines, but in the melody. But then also, I wanted to tell the story of, it sounds weird, but I'm friends with people that are still enslaved. And it's a weird friendship because it's a friendship based on lies on both sides. My lie is I'm pretending to be somebody I'm not, and so are a lot of the girls that I meet. Um, and I wonder if we meet on the other side. And I thought that the whole time, if I, if I meet her on the other side, will she be okay with this song? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really thought about that going into every single one of these songs. Exodus Road. Um, has it changed? Has it changed how human trafficking works at all? And then how you guys go in and how the team go in and, and do your work? So I am not as versed in our technology. I've seen it. Uh, but our technology is really quite scary and amazing that's, that a civilian organization has access to this kind of technology. Um, and it's been a great opportunity for our team to utilize it in the way we have it in the past. <laughs> And as everything goes underground, and as a lot of um, prostitution in general, but then sex trafficking um, goes online, our teams have gone online in Latin America, here in the United States, in India, not as much in India, but in Southeast Asia too. And so they, they're going in with similar, similar techniques that you could imagine, you know, posing as customers, scraping dark web for data um, and a lot of stuff that's above my pay grade that I don't really understand how they do it but they're doing it so we've used it as an opportunity and then when things open up they're going in I just saw some reports right, just right before we talked of some rescue operations in India but then also a raid in Latin America that took out uh, several traffickers simultaneously wow it's something that I in my own little bump, bubble of comfort I haven't thought of um, but it makes so much sense in terms of, I, I know that you're, you're just a part of something, a greater operation, a bigger mission. Um, I know that you go undercover or that when you could travel, you went undercover a lot. How does that work with your identity and the fact that your face is on the internet? Like, is it just that, that people in those countries have, would never have even think of or heard of Remedy Drive? Or do you actually have to... 
How do you suss it out? Um, sometimes I have a mustache. Uh, sometimes I can wear a hat. I can look like a different person pretty quickly. You know, I, I like to change my hairstyles a lot. But at the same time, I'm just another white white guy in Latin America, white guy in Asia. A lot of, a lot of your country people, a lot of my country people fly to the places mm-hmm. in Asia that I go to to get away with uh, what they get away with there because it's less expensive. Yeah. It's not as dangerous. Um, but it's still necessary. And in answering that, I want to be really clear that when I go overseas, I'm going overseas on short-term deployments um, for the purpose of assisting uh, and joining the work that's ongoing that's done by nationals. So it's nationals in India working. It's Matt, it's you know, Indian man and, and a team of like 15 that he has there, including his sister and his wife, they're social workers. Uh, and in Thailand, it's, it's Thai women and men in Latin America from the countries we're in there. It's, it's people that were born and raised that have a love for their country and for their daughters of their country. But sometimes it's helpful for them or the police ask and invite Westerners to come in. And it's great that we're not part of a government. You know, we're not, they're not asking representatives of the, of the American government or a law enforcement agency. They, they get the luxury of bringing in a Westerner and they call it the Gringo effect. My last operation in Latin America these traffickers that they were trying to identify that were using encryption, encrypted messages, deleting messages as soon as they go on both ends, they didn't know where these people lived. They, they, um, but when we showed up, there's a team of two from the United States, two of us. I was in one of the traffickers' house within a week, of, or within a couple of days of being there, and so they, you know, they were just blown away that the law enforcement partners were, and by the time we left. There was helicopters. There was gates being kicked down, and uh, there's this massive coordinated arrest of five five traffickers that were part of an international criminal network that were trafficking girls from all over the world. Wow, that's incredible. Um, I love how what you said just highlights how each of us and your part is just like a, a small stepping stone, a crucial stepping stone, but a small stepping stone is something that's actually happening from the ground up in those countries from people who actually know them it's their it's their family it's their friends it's who they're passionate about um in in like when i have like the evangelical american thing in the back of my mind so often i was like we have such a white savior complex and i was like it's not even it's never been about us um and i really value how organically and and by choice you and through your music you have chosen to uh, accentuate the actual stories, the actual heroes. When you're walking on the wire Between the vultures and the fire I can hear you asking why In the quiet of the night You are lovely Like the stars above You are lovely
Hey, are you a creator? Do you like creating fancy slideshows for church? Or maybe you're a videographer, a podcaster like me. Maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs. That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tea. And I love a good nostalgic band tea, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com, and hit the shop button. Growing up in church... I was always taught, you go and you save the world. So was there ever a point for you where you're actually like, there's a difference between me being a saviour and me serving to help save as such? Yeah, yeah especially with the words growing, growing up in a spiritual context, you know, let's go, let's go, you know, I could save you in a minute and a half, or a minute, 60 seconds, in my prime. Uh, walk up, we on the beach by the time you leave, you're, you were lost and now you're found. Um, and so... Do I bring that into other areas of my life? Yeah, I, I um, am okay with admitting that I have a Messiah complex, and that's part of what rock and roll is all about. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yeah. And, and embracing the fact that that's the way I'm wired, um, I'm not ashamed of it, but I know it's not right. <laughs> so I need to figure out how to how to lay that aside. I mean, my country is always in the middle of all the maps I've ever seen growing up with, right? You know? People people tell me that it's not only the best country ever, you know, it's the best country not only right now, but people say it's the best country that's ever existed. And they don't even know the, the scope of human history, right? They weren't there. Um, so having to uh, lay aside that sort of colonizing type, I can bring that colonizing mindset to good good work and, and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. So, so, um, but at the same time, someone that's hearing this could could use that as an excuse not to get involved, just like Moses did, right? Yeah. Moses is like, oh, you know, I, I don't know. So maybe Aaron's a better fit, you know. I, you know I, and there's sometimes I, it's never rang true to me when like when like worship pastors say, "Hey, let's just get out of the way and let God be seen." Man, then get off the stage, you know, you, you know, or or. Or just embrace it, acknowledge the fact that you're going to be noticed. And something that gives me 
gives me context for it is Frederick Douglass was an abolitionist in the United States. Uh, and so was Harriet Tubman. But nobody knew who Harriet was. And Frederick Douglass wrote her this letter that says, and this is a paraphrase that I always get wrong, but Frederick's saying to Harriet, Harriet, the work that we're in together, I, Frederick Douglass, I receive a lot of applause. Um, I, he was the most recognized, he was the most photographed person of his day. And he says, so, so there's a lot of encouragement, but you, on the other hand, the only witness, the only witness to your bravery and heroism is a few um, tired souls whose who sincere thank God for you is, and the, and the recognition from the midnight stars, something like that. And so there's a place for it. There's a place for being loud. You know, we need that. We need people that are loud. I'm not blowing a trumpet when I do my good deeds, but I am playing electric guitar. And I, 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 uh, I acknowledge that. But Frank Douglas used me. Uh, I'm going to use music. I'm going to continue. I'm not going to shy away from talking about it because that's how people find out. That's how people get inspired. That's how I got inspired. Yeah. Bono. You know, Bono, Frederick Douglass, um, Harry Tubman, Amy Carmichael, all these people, because their stories are being told, that's what pulled me into the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I hear that. And I see it as well. I was actually watching, I think it's like a 15-minute video on some Christian news site, but it was about the new album, but your whole story going through it. Um, and as it was just showing photos of members of the Remedy Drive family who have donated and bought shirts and they had like the red X's on their hands. Um, and it just struck me that this is about something so much greater than even a single band. It's, it's about a message in a community moving forward and enacting love the best way they know how. And it's so powerful because the music is what unites. You're like the Remedy Drive family. That's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's what I have. I have songs, and and we have a community. Thank, thankfully, because of radio, we have a community. A lot of people found us through radio and through songs, and to to move as many of that uh, community in this direction with us has been uh, really rewarding to see people come alongside and get creative on how they can use what they have in a unique way to impact issues of justice and mercy. These waters are uncharted And here let me drag In the legacy that was started In the footsteps of baggers Our love is forged, you see In the furnace of adversity Why you chose Dragons as a lead single? One, I love the name, but can you tell me more about the song? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I see, I see that, I see, in many ways, just horrifying things. Hor I mean, I see, I see the most 
things face to face oftentimes when I'm overseas mm-hmm. and, and here and um, there seems to be and maybe I'm just noticing it but an acceleration of attacks and dehumanizing language against people dehumanizing, dehumanizing action that it seems like it seems like it's being gotten away with and it seems like darkness is winning and uh, I, I, I saw a C.S. Lewis quote recently that you know, his ethic, his mindset for sure inf- informed my reasoning when I wrote the song but he said hey your kids are going to face you know they're going to face darkness they're going to they're going to face it face to face so why not tell them about good nights you know with a K, K-N-I-G-H-T-S. Uh, and he's, he said he said again that it's fantasy that binds back the dragons of religion. Um, and by, by religion, I think he just meant like, so, so, I don't know what he meant exactly, but for me, if I could, could take reality into fantasy for a second, man, I'm talking about dragons and ships on, on uncharted waters and uncharted territories, um, it's easier for me to, to, to sing that than seeing it very literally. Yeah. And also Matt Parker, who, who found the Exodus Road, his wife got a tattoo at the beginning of 2020 in Thailand when I got my most recent tattoo that said, Hexuntrakones, which means here be dragons. So uh, up north of you in Australia on some ancient globe, that phrase was written to say, hey, we don't know what's here, but it's dangerous. So beware these waters are in charge. that is so good I, I I know I haven't even seen and can't even imagine some of the things that you've seen um, and heard but I've had as as much as I can this, the same sense of like evil just coming up and and things being getting away with um, and obviously a big part of that is that we in Australia like a lot of we see a lot on the news with America, but it's also it's stuff that happens in Australia as well. Um, and by I, I I like how you by talking about it in a fantasy context like dragons. That's actually how I talk to my sister about different things as well. I'm like, so like you've done this today and you've defeated these dragons. Um, it nearly makes it for me. Actually, nearly gives me a, a boldness, a courage to go look. It's still there. It's nearly a reminder of the fact that God is still bigger than the dragon, even if it's all imploding and it looks like capital riots or it looks like racism or it looks like division in a church. Um, And that's really cool. And my own reflection on what you just said, but I just really like that. That was really great. And what you said made me want want to add this to it. I am not imagining myself as a knight either. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking of myself as Aragon. Yeah. My, I, 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 I hold to the fact, and all the way back to 2005, for a rip up in the skies album, I've been writing about Gandalf and and uh, Baggins. Yes. <laughs> so I, I look at myself as one of those hobbits that's just doing something absolutely, yes. absolutely outside of the realm of possibility. Yes. the fact that when asked why did you choose Baggins Gana said it's in the small acts of ordinary creatures that we keep the darkness at bay and it did not say that we that we that we end the darkness we're not ending slavery we're not ending racism we're not ending inequality or religious nationalism but when we shine that little 
in a way that I would never have realized without that star. One, two. When we embark into the distress, when it's dark, don't curse the darkness. Just light a candle in the midst of it. We want out, but we're still stuck in. Hanging on, but the thread is so thin. We're gonna get out of this empty pit. Wait for it. Patience, love will keep the lamp lit. Just a bit. Hold on, remember, hope is infinite. We're gonna make it through the night. Wait for it, keep the lamp lit. In troubled times, it's hard to see. Only can stand up in this debris. Steady in the face of strong adversity. Seven times you've fallen down Eight times to get up off the ground Failure is not the falling But it's the staying down Wait for it Patience, love will keep the lamp lit Just a bit Hold on, remember hope is infinite carry that that burden and along with your family like your your mission your belief like it, it's in everything you knew not just your music not just when you are doing deployments overseas but it's in everything you do how do you carry that heaviness and knowing that evil is prevalent and part of the re part of what you do is being part of god's work to to sort of stop that but how do you carry that and not let it go at the end of the day, but have a sense of I can still have a little bit of peace, like so I can be mentally healthy in the middle of this. I think for me, I have had to, and it's been a, it's been a battle. I've come to peace with the fact that we are not going to see what we want to see. Come to peace with the fact that, well, like Dr. King says, that the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice that it's wrong and so I've come to peace with the fact that my my role is my role period and so success for me is doing what I can today and then tomorrow and uh, and not not getting bogged down um, with the fact that we're not doing as much as I'd want to be able to do 1500 people rescued um like the Exodus Road contributing to the freedom of those 1,500 people is a big deal. And I've got to be part of that. Yeah. And, um, but then there's so many hundreds of girls that are 15 and 16 and 17 that I know. I know their names. I know their stories. I know their dreams because I ask them that every time. What would you rather do than this? I want more for you than this. What would, what would, you, what would you want to do if you didn't do this work? And... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mope around here when I get home with my family. I owe it to her to be joyful and to celebrate. Um, to celebrate the freedom and the hope that I have, even if I know she's not gonna find it um, during.
short time here on the planet. And it makes me get imaginative uh, and even more joyful and hopeful about whatever it is that we're stepping into uh, after this, these, these brief decades that we have here. Yeah. Yeah. And what that means for her, especially. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I hear that. Um, do you mind if I quickly try and tackle some form of religious nationalism with you? Is that an okay topic? Yeah. yeah? Um, so, your song, You're Using My Name in Vain, thank you. Um, what, in, in your, uh, I don't want to, I know that clearly I have preconceptions about it, but pushing it aside, can you tell me about that song and what, what you have learnt it is to use God's name in vain? We were watching the Bible Project as a family a couple of days ago, um, and then my I pushed we pushed pause a lot and talk, and my wife couldn't like she couldn't even she was like saying the kids don't even know the Ten Commandments. I was like I couldn't even list off the Ten Commandments, and I think she I don't even know if this is true, but you just take the Lord's name in vain is one of them possibly. I think so. Earth I think is so. Not, it's somewhere in there. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. And um, but even that alone, like. There's just this push. People, people wonder, like, what went wrong here? And a lot of people want to blame it on, on, like, taking God out of school, whatever they mean by that. I'm not sure what they mean by that. And if you talk to a lot of Christians in America, they mean, like, that's where things start to go wrong. I'm like, well, that was happening in the middle of the time where, where black men and women couldn't drink from the same drinking fountain as white men and women. So I don't care whether you got have God's name on a piece of paper currency or on my state capitol building, or that, you know, you put your hand on your heart and, and pledge allegiance to, to, to a piece of cloth, uh, if, if, you can, if, you can, if you can use God's name and enslave another human being and take their teeth out and write beautiful things about freedom and own people, then something's broken with religion. And, and when, when it's broken, it needs to be repaired. And there's such resistance to the practical ways to repair something that's been broken. Because I, you know, the, the, the common response here, here from American Christians is, but well, we don't break it, that, you know, and we might not even be related to the people that broke it. So there's just this confusion. There's this confusion about, um, for instance, you see a lot of Christian flags in America, and I'm not really a flag guy one way or the other. Um, but they're always below the American flag. <laughs> you never see a Christian flag flying on a flagpole above the American flag. And sometimes in churches. And I guess I started writing the song when we were asked to play a couple songs at a church service, and it happened to be July 4th, which is the day that America celebrates independence. Or no, we, we just happened to go to a church service in a small town in Nebraska where I'm from. We didn't play it, and we played an event outside that night and I was I was blown away by the kind of mumbling through some of the songs the, the hymns and stuff but then when it came time for like to sing uh, to sing uh, I forget like God Bless America maybe like just the energy in the room changed completely it was like a whole different group of people uh, and on the screen while they're singing in a church building next to a cross there's, there's images of war machines on the screen and, and it's so normal it's, it's so normalized to hear that violence in the name of God um, 
it's written into our history, and yet it's it's kind of ignored that that people moved west, and we call it manifest destiny, mm-hmm. as we stole from other people, and to hear a leader celebrated by by most white evangelicals in my country say repeatedly, "We have nothing to apologize for. We didn't tame this. We didn't steal this land. We tamed the continent." Like to say that mm-hmm. so repeatedly. And then to hear Christian leaders say, this is something worth dying for, this election is, is I, will, I will die for this election. The same Christian leader, and I'll, I'll name him, Eric Metaxas, people love him. That guy punched somebody. He punched somebody that was, that was uh, a Black Lives Matter protester. He ran half a block and punched him in the back of the head. So he, he used violence uh, and then promoted violence. Yeah. And, and that's alarming to me. And that all happened after I wrote that song. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm just rambling now. So for I me, get the it. song, um, it, it carries the history of all the conquistadoras, all the, all the colonizing, all the enslavement and genocide that happened in Jesus' name that's unrepented of. Mm-hmm. And the proof of that is what's playing out in my country in 2021. Yeah. Are you in my For your power and for your personal gain For your advantage, for your wealth and for your fame You're using my name in vain The wealthy got their place of prominence At your feasts, on your committees, and on your boards of directors How can you defend your cultural dominance? But not the least of these in your cities and in your public sectors You're using my name You're using my name in vain So, what is I'm trying to figure out how to how to phrase this? A weird thing that I grapple with is that technically, I I sort of believe, like like core belief, like Christian Christ follower. What what a lot of these what Christian nationalists would would say they believe in too. Um, and one of the things, like when I lived in Nashville, and that was one of the reasons I started the podcast, I was like. I don't understand what's going on here. And I was really disliking the people that I was with and God was like, but you're one of them. I was like, <laughs> um, so part of part of what I really wrestle with and what I'm wondering if, if you experience the same thing is the fact that there is a sense that I'm nearly somewhat part in the past, at least culturally, of this evangelical church that is wrapped up in nationalism and there's so much, I would say, evil in it. Um, and yet I, I really have a, a role in it where it's like, well, I identify a little tiny bit with, with that, not in a ton of ways, but a little bit. So what, what is my or our responsibility? Like, do we have a responsibility to try and bring change into that sphere? Or is it best for us to use our energy to just continue to bring change and help people on the fringes or outside of the evangelical church 
that we were actually meant to love in the first place before we got caught up loving ourselves. our ego so much for that to happen yeah. and that's yeah. Mm-hmm. And the question. 
that I have and I went off script tons because I just enjoyed it but is there anything else about your album that you wanted to talk about or anything that you wanted to bring up
when I was really little not to not to celebrate, not to look up to, not to endorse, not to get behind. You taught me to, to turn and avoid even the appearance of evil, and now we're here. And Beth put her hand on my shoulder, and she was crying, and I was crying. And this is at the airport in front of everybody. <laughs> and she says, um, before I say anything else, you need to see somebody about that dream. <laughs> <laughs> fun it was such like an intense conversation but such a life-giving one uh, I enjoyed the fact that while we were chatting I got to meet some of David's family members um, they accidentally misheard some of my Australianness to be a swear word at one point that was fun all those sort of things it was like speaking to friends so thank you so much David for making it possible for adding us to your press cycle with this album it's a real privilege and I'm so glad that we could chat again if you would like to pick up Amago Amore, I'm going to spell that I-M-A-G-O-A-M-O-R. There you go. Use that to type it into Google. You can pick it up now. All of the songs you heard on today's episode are from that album, including the lead single, Dragons. So go and get that. Links are in our show notes. You can also connect with Remedy Drive online. Just find them at Remedy Drive or RemedyDrive.com. You can see all their abolitionist work there, how you can get involved. Uh, if you would like to donate to the Exodus Road or find out more about what they are doing, there are also links on their websites. And if you would like to connect specifically with David, you can find him online at David M. Zach. You'll find that a lot of the work Remedy Drive doing that he does cross over a lot. Now, I hope you really, really enjoyed that. If you did love this, if this was a conversation that you're like, oh my gosh, I need more of it, you can. All you need to do is go to your favorite podcast platform, scroll down to our early days of the podcast. The production isn't as great, but still quality conversations. Episode 18, David Zuck, and you'll be good to go. Now, if you would like to connect with me, please, I would love that. You can find me at Jessica K. Morris through the podcast at Between You Me Pod. You'll find our website at betweenyouandmepod.com where you'll find all our previous episodes and links to find our merch. Now, our next episode is with another longtime friend of the podcast, 
Ross King. We are going to be talking about his journey with right privilege. So you will definitely want to hear that. Make sure that you're pressed subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you get that as soon as it arrives in your feed next Friday. That is all for another terrific episode. Thank you for doing the deep heart work with me and asking the tough questions and often the uncomfortable ones. It's where life is born and that gives me a little hope. On that note, my name is Jessica Morris. Here's to hope. song